0: Hello and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I started podcasting a couple of years ago because I wanted to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be interested in psychological issues or perhaps even be in therapy, but also to those who might have been recently diagnosed with some kind of mental disorder or are having relationship problems that they can't seem to really find the answer to but also to a third group to those of you out there who may never have talked to a psychologist but are curious about what someone like me might sound like we still have so much stigma about mental health treatment in our culture and in fact internationally so I'm here to let you know what therapy might be like now this isn't therapy but at least you can hear some of my thoughts about what can be helpful in treatment Today, I'm going to be talking about something that I'm writing a book about that will come out in November. It's called Perfectly Hidden Depression, and this particular episode is, in fact, very sadly motivated because of an email I received this week from a woman whose husband killed himself just recently. He was in his early 40s, and no one that knew him could believe it. He had a perfect-looking life, children he loved, a career he felt excited about, friends and family that loved him. Yet he couldn't communicate his darker emotions, and emotions that would lead him to suicide. I'm going to read you some from that email. I was also interviewed as well this week by a Canadian writer who asked me to distinguish for her the difference between what's been called high-functioning depression and what I term perfectly hidden depression. So this episode is doing just that. We'll talk about not only the difference, but why that difference matters. In fact, why that difference has to be understood. I'll include several articles in the show notes on what high-functioning depression is, but we'll talk about it in a second here. And please, if you know or suspect in the least way that someone might be hiding underneath a perfectionistic persona, please send them this episode. Please help me spread the word. As I said, the book's coming out in November, but that date may not be soon enough for someone. I was so sad to receive this email, and I'm eager to get the word out. Our listener email today, which is a regular feature on self-work, is going to be my answer to this grieving widow. I'll read you a little more of her email at that point and my advice on what she could do for her children while in the midst of her own very immense grief. So thank you for being here. I've had many episodes on Perfectly Hidden Depression that are interspersed throughout self-work, beginning with the third episode I ever did. So perhaps if this intrigues you, you can go back and listen to those episodes. They will have either perfectionism or Perfectly Hidden Depression in the title. I've noticed that quite a few people have been writing about what's termed high-functioning depression lately. They're describing a depression that isn't readily apparent, but it's there, at least some or most of the time. I hugely applaud the fact that all of these authors are trying to get the attention of anyone listening that depression doesn't always look the same. It can look like agitation or anger. It can look like melancholy or despair. But it also can be ignored and misunderstood when it doesn't look either way, as in high-functioning depression. So what's the difference between this phenomenon and perfectly hidden depression? And why does it matter? As long as people are recognizing the fact that depression can wear many faces, you know, I don't particularly care what it's called. High-functioning depression is someone who knows they're depressed, but they do their best to hide that depression. What I care more about is if high-functioning depression or perfectly hidden depression hits you in the gut and you realize, you know, that's me and I need to pay attention, that's what matters. But each kind of depression has its own healing course, and that's important to know. We'll talk more about what exactly is high-functioning depression in just a minute, but let's talk first about how all this hiding can get started. Whatever their situation, all children do what they can to emotionally survive. That may sound dramatic to you, and it may not be actual physical survival that's at stake. Although, in the most horrific families or environments, this could certainly be true. It's really emotional survival. Given what was yours to face, you as a child came up with a strategy for coping. You'll notice that siblings reared in the same home adapt differently— One may rebel, one may try to please or make people laugh. One may work to fix the situation, another may become invisible. You didn't recognize your own strategy as a strategy. Remember, you're a kid, it simply became you. And then other people would say, oh, that's just Jason, he stays out of the way. Or you can always count on Gail. Underneath the obvious superficial behavior was an unconscious strategy. And it's likely to greatly affect you now in the way you approach your life as an adult. If you learned it was safer to hide or cover up painful emotions, then hide you did, and you probably are still hiding. But there is diversity in the presentation of this hiding. In fact, with perfectly hidden depression, I've divided the syndrome into three groups one of which is very similar, in fact, almost identical to high-functioning depression. Let's talk about those three groups. The first group would say, I'm hiding, and I know it. Let's call the first group the aware group. In this group, hiding may have been intentional for quite some time, again, and this is high-functioning depression. You're doing it on purpose. If you're in this group, you know, for example, that you rarely talk about yourself with others. In fact, you choose not to do so. You may know quite well when it started, how it started, or why it started. You make a conscious choice every day to keep your own troubles invisible. The healing work for you is slowly tearing down the emotional walls between yourself and others, and that's far easier said than done. It involves challenging whatever irrational beliefs there are, those beliefs that keep you hidden. And connecting the emotional dots between your past and your present, you want to figure out that child's strategy and realize, what am I doing now as an adult that I decided as a child would be a way to emotionally survive? Again, that's very similar to what people write about as high-functioning depression. But now let's talk about the second group. I'm going to read you the email that I mentioned in the introduction, or at least part of it, because it was fairly long. A woman writes, I'm writing to you for a couple of reasons. While searching for related topics, I've come across your work on perfectly hidden depression and believe that this is precisely what my late husband was suffering with. Earlier this month, he took his life without any warning or previous indication that he was mentally ill. He was 41 years old. We were the perfect family with two young children that he absolutely adored and did everything with. Financially, we had no issues. We have a strong family and close friends. He was fit and sporty, had a solid, secure job, appeared happy and content. I believe that had he known or understood that he had depression that was quite possibly buried since childhood, he could have sought help and been saved. I read you this email because this is someone that I would say is in this second group. I know something's wrong. I feel it in my gut, but I haven't a clue what it is. If you're a member of this second group or the unaware group, you may be just like this man who died by suicide. You may have been largely unconscious of what you've experienced or created. Maybe when you see the term or hear the term perfectly hidden depression, a light bulb goes off. Your gut understands. This new concept has to be absorbed, and the whole idea that your perfectly hidden depression exists can be life-altering. What you've never given much thought to is now something you can question. You may never have considered that the way you're functioning is a problem. It was simply the way you lived. Let's talk for a minute about what is meant by unconscious. Hopefully, this example will help make that term clear. If you step into a dark but well-known room in your home, you don't have to think where the light switch is. Your hand shoots up automatically and easily find its place on the wall as you flick it on. You don't give it a thought. It's an automatic, unconscious action. Your body remembers, your mind remembers, but without thinking about it in that moment. We do unconscious things all the time, things that have become second nature, We could go deeper and talk about unconscious urges and drives, but for the sake of our discussion, that's not necessary. The more something is known, old hat or habitual, the more likely that it's tied into unconscious behavior. So this group, this second group, isn't high-functioning depression. It's quite different. It's people like Rebecca who said to me, before I read about perfectly hidden depression, I'd never have thought of myself as depressed. Ever. If I even wondered, if I listened to my gut that knew something was wrong, I'd feel incredible shame, like I didn't appreciate the good things in my life. I can't even imagine allowing myself to think or say some of the things I've said to you since we've been working together. I didn't even realize how I was living or really not living. Rebecca was making what had been unconscious conscious. That's the work of this group that would have been the work that this man who tragically died by suicide might have been able to learn. And his wife, who wrote me, might have been able to learn it right along with him. But there's a third group, a group that says, sometimes I know I'm hiding, but other times I can't figure out what's going on. This group is kind of a mixed bag There are 10 characteristics of perfectly hidden oppression, and I go through those in episode three, so you might want to check back. But there are things like perfectionism with a constant critical shaming voice, never opening up to others, but being a great friend to everyone, really throwing yourself into work and accomplishment and getting your self-value from that, always counting your blessings and in fact, shaming yourself if you don't. So in this group, some of these characteristics are known and quite intentional. Others are more surprising when you realize their place is part of the syndrome, and you, again, haven't been conscious of them as problems. The work for all three of these groups, the aware group, the unaware group, and the mixed group, can sometimes seem to you as if you're trying to chew and swallow all at the same time. The hiding behaviors, the push, the pressure that you've put on yourself needs to stop, but you're simultaneously trying to go deeper emotionally and connect with long-suppressed trauma or pain. It's confusing and even frightening because you're giving up your defensive or protective actions while increasing your vulnerability. So remember, a high-functioning depression is important to recognize in yourself. And it can be considered a strength in many ways. You're depressed, but you get up and go to work. You get out of bed even though you don't feel like it. You slap a smile on your face. But even people with high-functioning depression need to let down sometimes. They need to connect with their pain. There need to be others in their world that know how hard it is for them to struggle and how hard it can be for them in their own life. You get strength from feeling known, feeling connected. I include high-functioning depression as the aware group in perfectly hidden depression. But then there's another, even more tragic in many ways, group. The unaware group. The group that is totally unconscious of what they're doing. And that can be very, very dangerous. And then there's the group that does a little bit of both. And their work is unique to them. If this is you, please pay attention. The work in front of you, if you're willing to do it, can offer a freedom and a self-acceptance that you can never imagine. The listener email today is a continuation from the earlier email. She went on to tell me more. I want to thank you for your work. While it doesn't give me much comfort, it at least provides some answers and confirms many of my thoughts. If I can help you in any way, please ask. Can you believe she's doing that? I couldn't. I was so touched. I am more than happy to answer any questions and do anything that could help create awareness. I know that my husband could have been saved had we had any idea of where he was headed. I'm also concerned for myself as I believe that I fit the perfect partner for someone like this. Happy also not to delve too deeply happy to avoid confrontation, happy to let things go rather than admit I'm wrong or any weakness or failure. Do you have any advice on the type of help I should or could be seeking? I'm so utterly shocked, confused, and devastated, but I have two beautiful children that I must be strong for. I sat with this email for at least 24 hours before I got back to her, and this is what I responded. It was with great sorrow I read your email yesterday. I'm incredibly touched by how, even in what is very fresh grief, you've reached out to me. If the concept of perfectly hidden depression has helped you in trying to understand what I can only imagine seems unfathomable, then I'm honored. So sadly, yours isn't the first email I've received from those desperately searching for some kind of answer. I'm sure... Your husband loved you and your children with just as much fervor as you describe. But there was something else that haunted him and that he lost his battle against. You have my sincere empathy, and I'm so very sorry. I'm glad to hear that you've been in treatment. She did tell me that she had been in treatment. And here's a bit of advice that I do have. Most obviously, you'll have grief to work through for a long time. And you've told me that delving more deeply into feelings isn't something you do easily. So that in itself will be your journey. My best suggestion is that you try to figure out how your own pattern of avoiding got started and what you might have to challenge in order to choose to connect with deeper feelings. That is the gift that you can now give your sons as they see and feel you working through your own emotions. It's not their job to be there for you necessarily, but you want to show them it's more than okay to reveal their own sorrow and grief. And remember, that grief includes fear, anger, sadness, all the very complicated parts of grief. They will pick up what's okay and what's not okay from you. Again, if this is something that you struggle with yourself, please go to my website at drmarketrutherford.com and either read the blog post I have on Perfectly Hidden Depression, listen to the podcasts here. I do have a book coming out in November and November is nine months away. So please do take care of yourself and know that others before you have connected with emotions from long past. They've survived them, they've learned from them and they've changed how they deal with painful emotions in the present. Please take care. I want to thank you for listening to self-work. This may be your first podcast, or it may be one of many, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being part of this growing audience. Thanks as well to the many people who've left ratings and reviews. The written ones are especially appreciated because you've taken a little of your time to actually be specific about what you like or don't like about the podcast. In January, someone says, There's so many self-help podcasts out there nowadays, and it's nice to listen to one that's hosted by a licensed medical professional. I extremely love when she gives tools to improve on a certain topic. That's something I try to do, the what-you-can-do-about-it part of self-work. Someone else says it feels like having a session with your own therapist. That feels good. And from another medical professional, I've been following Dr. Margaret's blog for several years and now her podcast. I've seen firsthand the devastating impact of deferred personal maintenance. I love that term. Dr. Margaret's podcasts are digestible nuggets of emotional well-being, and I really enjoy the format. Thank you all for those comments, and I'd love to hear more. Really, the ratings and reviews are the way that self-work gets anyone else's attention. So wherever you listen, write a comment or leave me a review, and that is more than appreciated. In fact, I'm very, very grateful. I've mentioned before my website, DrMargaretRutherford.com. I've been blogging there for six years. I'm on Instagram and talk a little bit more about my personal life, what I love to do in my spare time away from the office. And I'm actually going to be spending a little more time on Instagram as I figure out the Instagram story, which is kind of a neat feature. So join me over there. I also have a new Facebook closed group. It's facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. We're about to reach 500 members. And of course, in a closed group, what you say is only available to the other members of the group. We discuss all kinds of things. Not just perfectly hidden depression, but other kinds of psychological, emotional issues. And people offer what helps them, which is like everyone helping everyone else. It's really great. So maybe you'll join me there. So thank you for listening. Please take good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.